0: All about films, filmmaking, and film theory.
1: Each week, we pick a movie, review it, talk about it, and discuss some of the ideas and themes that it throws up.
0: And as always, we end the show with the recommendations for further watching or further reading inspired by this week's movie.
1: Before we kick off, though, a quick catch up on what else we've been watching. Rob.
0: Well, for the last few episodes, the art of this has been nothing because of, of my, my brand new child. Um, but she's starting to settle down to routine. She's starting to get a bit more sleep, so we're starting to have a bit more free time. Good. So we've been watching uh, some old sort of comedy shows here and there, Friends, that kind of thing. But I have started watching a new show from America called Designated Survivor, starring Keith Sutherland. Essentially, as many people know, in America, State of the Union, everyone's together, and the government mandates a member of the Senate, or a member of the committee, who goes somewhere else. If there's an event, he survives. The government survives. Yeah. Obviously, in this show, something happens; everyone's wiped out. Keith Sutherland, who is the quite ineffectual secretary for housing and urban development, is suddenly thrust into being the president after the entire government is wiped out in a nuclear attack or a bombing attack, at least. He's very much not Jack Bauer, shall we say? He's not a man of action; he's a sort of a, a worried and concerned man. Um, but he tries to do the best he can. So, I'm, I'm but do that. Really enjoying it.
1: Sam this week the main film I've watched is Paddington I've finally got around to watching that having missed it at the time and it's lovely and the only bad thing about it is I remember when sentiments like being nice to foreigners and being welcome in London regardless of where you come from rang true and it feels like we're living in a very different climate in twenty sixteen and like I said on Twitter it feels weird to feel nostalgic for something that was twenty four months ago. But um yes. Then then Brexit happened. Then Brexit happened. So uh, yes. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought performances from well, Ben Witcher in the title role and then Hugh Bonneville, who is not always great it was very good in this and everything about it was brilliant as I said apart from the fact it made me feel quite sad
0: oh, I'm I'm happy sad for you I must I've never seen that one myself it i have passed me by and at a certain point I'm kind of saving up all the um, all the kids movies because I'm thinking in the next sort of five years of my life I'm going to watch all of them Yes. so uh, save it for then
1: you might as well save the good ones as well exactly
0: I think So, as we are now deep into October, um, heading straight for spooky season, we are embracing our horror genre, and this week we are talking about the 1981 film, The Evil Dead. (laughs) Somewhat of a modern cult classic, The Evil Dead launched the careers of Sam Raimi as director and Bruce Campbell as an actor. It is essentially very true to a lot of horror films of the time. A group of college kids heading to a remote location, mess with forces they don't understand, and end up dying in gruesome and gory ways. It was shot on a shoestring, and if you read the accounts of anyone who was there, it was a thoroughly unpleasant and uncomfortable shoot. It is very much, you can, it's one of those movies where you can see the strings, shall we say, behind the scenes. But it has earned very much a cult status among horror fans, and it is one of the few films to break out of both of the horror genre and its fandom into the wider, wider world. Now Sam, you haven't actually seen any of the Evil Dead before, have you? No. So, your thoughts on the Evil Dead, 1981?
1: Well... Because, as you said, I haven't seen it. I wrote down some preconceptions going into it. Okay. And looking at the date, which was sort of, I think, not long after Zombie that we watched before, mm-hmm. it suddenly falls into the genre of exploitative films that we looked at, sort of the late seventies, early eighties. That that's what I I felt like going into it. Mm-hmm. So I thought this was going to be sort of another stocky gore fest, and. As a result, I didn't really have high hopes. Okay. Now, and, and I will say that this is this is a, a judgment that sort of came true in the second half of the film, where that's totally the sort of film it turns into. But the beginning of the film was a pleasant surprise. Well, the word "pleasant" is strange in the context of *The Evil Dead*, but it was it, it was actually quite a good film. I thought at the start. There was a there's a nice contrast between the shaky movement of the spirits, the demon, whatever it is, in the woods at the beginning, and then you have the steady footage of the uh, young people in the car. So there's an immediate sort of cinematic distinction between the characters and the demon, the human characters and the non-human mm. demon. I like that. And I enjoyed the use of sound, the use of silence, and things like the Chekhovian gun, which is actually a gun that they find at the beginning of the film. So, it, it, yeah, it it was it was a it was an interesting film. It felt it felt like a really good film at the start, and as a result, I was a little bit disappointed because the schlockiness of the end, as I said, is not something that I like but there are some really good points the music, the, the way the beginning was shot um, there was some good acting performances as well so I yeah, film on two halves for me
0: fair enough, fair enough I can see that, I can see that it does change, I wouldn't say devolve cause I, I wouldn't say it as a, a, a definition, but it does change into a more kind of horror based schlock towards the end mm. uh, my personally, obviously, I'm um, I'm a big fan of Evil Dead I do like my horror films and obviously this is a a staple of that genre aside from my love of horror and horror movies I think this film does do some very interesting things you mentioned it briefly there in what you were saying about the camera work and you do have this sort of I'm going to jump straight into sort of the uh, the high brow academia you've got very much the breakdown of the proscenium arch of a film yes traditionally you've got a film you know film is a silent, invisible, third-party observer. The camera exists around the action, but isn't part of it. We're just looking at it. Come this film, in a very obvious way of with the demons and various other things, the camera, the camera movement, is part of the action. That breakdown between, I suppose, what we consider, generally consider a third-person view on the action, suddenly it's a first-person view, getting a point of view from the demon in the woods. Mm. We are getting the camera. You know, does amazing, interesting things. It comes up and over Ash at one point. Yes, in a real kind of like sweeping movement. Um, you've got it locked. You see, as you flagged up earlier, the locked-on nature of the um, car versus the shaky camera uh, bits and bobs. Um, and there's bits where Ash is chased through the house. People are chased through the house by the camera. And I think it's interesting that the enemy is the only thing that we see from our point of view. And there's this, this kind of moment when you're realising that you, you've you become the chaser, that you've become mm. the monster, because that's all it's giving you. Yeah. That this breakdown of the of the traditional fourth wall of a film puts you in the action, but unusually here, you're put in the action as the bad guy, as the antagonist, as the demonic spirit.
1: Mm. I did have a, a note on that, on the camera angles, sort of, and, and the way that it sort of sweeps over Ash at the end, it felt like the structure of the film was aiding the narrative, because the narrative at that point is about Ash's paranoia and the sense that everything is out to get him. Mm. And you find that, I mean, that that becomes true, because everything is out to get him, but that doesn't take away from the fact that Ash feels really paranoid. And the, the camera movement heightens that, because you feel like... The camera is out to get him as much as anything else. So, like you say, the the we become the the antagonists of the film.
0: Mm. I think it was also interesting along those lines that you have these you know the, the traditional kind of college students coming together. Ash, who I say is ostensibly the hero of the movie, or at very least the survivor of the movie. And I think it's interesting that in this film those are different things. That Scotty is very much the hero. He's you know he's much more the jock character. He's the proactive one, he tries to get everything out. He's much more sort of proactive in his, in his actions in the film. Ash is more kind of, the, say, the coward and the, the paranoid one kind of hiding in the corner. But he, his survival, he survives, if you to assume that he survives, given the end of the film. He becomes this, what you traditionally in horror call the last girl, that the person who survives, the Jamie Lee Curtis character from those kind of early films, the slasher films. It's often it's the, it, the female who kind of overcomes her original sort of dowdy and quiet roots to survive here that is portrayed by a slightly geeky and certainly not leading man bruce campbell Mm.
1: it's interesting that you mentioned gender there and this is something i wanted to to touch on maybe not spend loads of time talking about it but that was something that stuck in my throat a bit about this film this idea that I mean, lots of things seem to be sexualized in the film, and it meant that the, uh, the demonic possession, for instance, was spread through women. There seemed to be something inherently misogynistic about this film. You have, I mean, you have Ash's violence towards the character who was Linda and is now possessed. The film seems to present women as the enemy. So, Scotty, for example, gets possessed and has a, a very short scene in, in which he is an antagonist, but mainly he just is someone who gets vanquished and dies. You have Ash, who gets injured but ultimately survives. Women appear to be the most effective in this film. And I wonder whether that was... A discussion we could could think about, and so not necessarily to railroad the whole episode, but it seemed to be a very much an, an attitude from the early eighties towards women in film at this time.
0: I, am mm, I'm, I'm torn on this one a little bit because on one hand I totally see what you're saying. I, you are aware in this film that it is the three three girls you get possessed, and it's they they are they becoming emptiness really fast, um, and that. Especially the attack of the tree on um, one of the characters is a sexual attack rather than just a physical attack, shall we say?
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: But I I I, I struggle with the word misogynistic on this film for a couple of reasons. One that whilst the characters, the female characters, are becoming antagonists, they aren't very often. Sexualized in the way that the films of this era are. If you want to watch a lot of horror films, there's always the scene of one of the girls in the shower. There's always the scene the girl getting changed. Mm. There's always these kind of scenes in the film that a film that the the female characters, whilst being canonical characters, have to be a sexual being. And here, they might be portrayed as weak, might be portrayed as easily susceptible to the the magics, but they aren't sexualized in that visual male gaze way that other films do. Secondly. I think that that goes double fold for when they're possessed. I can count on more fingers than I have the amount of films when someone gets possessed and suddenly they become sexy. Hmm. You got things like the faculty with Frank Jackson. You've got Dawn of the Living Dead 2. These kind of characters who once they have suddenly something they stop being themselves and suddenly they're free to be sexy. They're free to be these seductresses, these you know kind of um, succubi kind of characters. They that they're freed into a sexuality, whereas here the possessed girls are not what you would call sexy. Mm. When they get possessed, they certainly become they become more horrific, more horrified, more grotesque. Um so the film in that in that male gaze way that often the other films do, you don't see that. They they don't become sexualized objects in the film. They may become weak and they become secondary characters. And there there's a argument to be made for them being discounted as the film. They become antagonistic cannon fodder in a way and i I would happily have that i happily agree with that argument but i think that there's a a between other things the other the last point i'd make to kind of counteract that is that throughout this film i would see if you take a step back and look at the the narrative of the film women are the victims of male hubris the initial which you don't see in the film the scientist and his wife the, the, the anthropologist and his wife he Decides to read aloud and record these incantations which infects his wife, which kills him. Flash forward to these kids. It is the men who push to listen to these terrifying uh, recordings. It is mm. the men who won't turn them off when the girls ask them to. It is the, the, the hubris of the male characters that admittedly affects and destroys the female characters. But I think there is a un- <laughs> I maybe talk about this. there is a feminist reading of this film but I probably unfortunately a little bit through a, through a filter there.
1: Sam? Well, I, I see what you're saying. It seems what you're saying is, is this film is sort of, not necessarily, I wouldn't go so far as saying progressive. M- right. I'm not sure I'd a, agree with you and say f- feminist, but it, it seems to be wrestling with these ideas and trying to say something different about the relationship mm. between men and women so maybe this is, this is I mean I, I haven't seen enough of these films, films to know, you'd be better positioned to say this but maybe this film is a step beyond, this film is doing interesting new things with these stock characters.
0: There are many many worse films in terms of how they treat women within, within the horror genre it is, it's one of those things that with a, if you are a fan of this kind of early, early horror, this era horror you kind of have to just not lock it in a box a little bit, but at a certain point, if you let in the the two thousand sixteen feelings on early, late seventies to early eighties feminism and gender roles and progressive movements, you'd just be in a corner crying. To be honest, mm. it's bad enough for films made these days, yes, and let alone the ones made back then. So this does—it's like, one of the things. Like it's kind of like when a film's still bad, but you can look at it and go, you know what, well, it's better than what we're getting. It's hard to praise, but also hard to damn. But I do, I do see what you're saying.
1: The main thing that I wanted to to focus on here is something that we've, we've already hinted at with the idea of point of view and sort of breaking down this proscenium arch uh, idea about cinema is the idea of the unknown seems to be mm-hmm. very important in this film. And it's not just for the reason that... Unknown things are scary because it's scary not to know things. And actually you have... I mean, it's, it's quite late in the film when you finally find find out what's attacking Ash and his friends. And actually I think it, it suffers from then on. So it's quite late on in the film before you, you actually see what's attacking them. Mm. And I think... There is something very, very scary about this this idea of the unknown, but also the idea of the unknown being an important force within this relationship between the viewer and the film. As you were saying, it seems, seems to be really important. They seem to me to be doing interesting things with the idea of something being unknown about the viewing experience discuss Um, yeah I I see I think there's a this this
0: film fits into this genre of sort of powers beyond our understanding films Mm. and I'll on the later with recommendations but you always feel with this film and other films like this that the the audience are in as much dark about the rules as the people in it Mm. even if and but it presumes there are rules, unlike a slasher film or something like that, where there are no real rules to it,
1: you know. Beyond, don't go upstairs.
0: Yeah, but they, but it isn't like the the the, the, the slasher the, the, the slasher himself, the, the the killer himself hasn't got rules to abide by. No, it isn't like opening this door, bringing a point, all that kind of thing. Whereas these kind of supernatural horror films, like this, do have rules. They they summon these creatures in a certain way and they can dispel them in a certain way. In the same way how to kill a vampire has rules. But unlike vampire lore no one knows the rules to fighting creatures from the book of the dead. And so you've got these characters the unknown obviously the unknown entity of the characters but also how to fight them is the story in many ways. It isn't about the I know how to do this this is how i'm going to do it it's the i have no idea how to fight this it's it's the lovecraftian we are mere mortals in the face of gods kind of style thing where we can't begin to comprehend how to deal with these creatures or these events Mm. so the the, the unknown quantity in my mind is this quantity of what the hell do we do next
1: yeah yeah and there's I suppose you can, you can go right back to the beginning of the film, and which starts with these college kids or where they're from. There seems to be... I don't know, maybe they they start off by, with this attitude of, well, I don't know what's going to happen, let's just go and have fun. And maybe what the film is doing is saying, well, maybe there should be some responsibility on their part. Hmm. Because this is not just a film about releasing demons and the Book of the Dead. This is about college kids being irresponsible and themselves going into the unknown. Because they say, well, we we don't know why we got it so cheap right at the beginning. And there's a a red flag Hmm. that even if you haven't seen any horror films, and I've seen very few horror films, even I know that that means that something very bad is happening
0: I completely agree with his name there because I think there's also something he said for in terms of unknown The and I kind of discussed it in my last thing I'm going to bring it back now the rules of a horror film horror films unlike almost any other genre apart from maybe rom-coms have sort of tropes that run through them sam he said there never seen evil dead hasn't seen many horror films but he knows certain things about them you know how to survive them you know that if it's an abandoned wood in the forest it's really cheap it's probably gonna be bad for you
1: Mm.
0: and i think that, that there are these known rules to the audience and a lot of horror films either lean heavily into that or try and go well you think you know that but here's really what's going on and so when you've got I suppose, films and an audience, a a knowledgeable audience who are going to presume to know whatever's happening next. Not only have you got to pull it over the eyes of the characters, but of the audience as well.
1: That was something, actually, that I found really quite interesting about this film, was that there would be lots of films. I'm not just talking about horror films here. we broadened out to talk about action films, or, as you said, rom-coms, or whatever. There would be Th- there'd be an answer that you either literally or metaphorically could scream at the screen mm. and the person involved would not be able to see that and that's why they get into scrapes. Th- that's not the case here. There's no obvious explanation. There's no, There's. no. You, you can't just say, well, they should just leave because you've seen that they can't leave. You've seen that the road's destroyed and the woods conspiring to keep them there. And I, I really quite I like that because the viewer isn't isn't put in a position of privilege. Mm. It's not like the the viewer has all the answers. So, like you said, the will is being pulled over the eyes of of the people viewing as well, who don't have the answers.
0: I think that's that's as part of effective horror film, and that's what makes this film so effective. Is is that kind of unknown nature of it to almost all. Parties, I suppose. Mm. So, Sam, having not been a big print of the horror genre, do you have some recommendations for us?
1: Yes, I have. Well, I'm, I'm not going to ask your permission, I'm just going to go ahead. I've got three recommendations this week. One is from, you mentioned the faculty actually. There is a period in my life when I associate almost every film I saw with rock <laughs> and this is either because Rob is a guiding influence in my cinematic education or it's just the fact that we were teenagers with no social life. We went to the cinema a lot. So as well as the faculty, the year after the faculty, a film I associate with Rob is the original and very scary Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in seeing the recent one. Because I think one of the brilliant things about the original was how very scary it was. And this idea of the wall being pulled over the the viewer's eyes is extended. Because it's not just the viewers and the characters, it's the actors as well. And they famously said that the uh, the actors didn't know what was going on. And it was as much a a case that the actors involved were being... "Quote unquote haunted" as the characters. It was a really good film. And um, my second one it focuses on the cabin, and the sense of being isolated in in the cabin, and lots of the exterior shots uh, building up to moments of haunting, reminded me of the classic Romero *Night of the Living Dead*. Mm. I don't know whether it's because all horror directors use the same cabin in the woods, but it's, it's a benchmark in the zombie genre, horror genre, whatever you want to call it. It's a very good film. Fair enough. It's one of the few films like that, that I have seen. Okay. And finally, not in the horror genre at all. Well, actually, I suppose it could be argued that it is, but certainly not an obvious horror film. The sense of foreboding from the beginning, the sense of being in the, in the free outdoors, and you generally associate that with having a good time, and the sense that something in spite of that is very definitely going to go wrong very soon. Uh, I was reminded of the film Deliverance from the early 70s, and as I said, I haven't seen enough of these films to, to make a sweeping generalisation about it, but maybe Deliverance was towards the beginning of a series of films that dealt with the horror genre in a particular way throughout the 70s and 80s. So those are my, my three, three very different films, but for very different reasons, are all well worth seeing. Rob?
0: I'm, I'm actually coming in quite close to your recommendations a little bit. Uh, my first recommendation actually is the sequel to one of yours. So, I was to recommend The Dawn of the Dead, which is Romero's follow up to Night of the Dead. Uh, so, 1978, Dawn of the Dead, possibly the more popular of, of the Dead trilogies, uh, set in a, a abandoned shopping mall and about the uh, survivors fighting the zombies there. It just felt to me to be a very similar vibe to Evil Dead. It had the kind of a low budget, shot on cheap film feel to it. Yeah. had some amazing effects in terms of the camera work, dealing with the zombies and the survivors. It uh, isn't quite as mad cap in places as Evil Dead, but certainly in the same genre. And the fact that Sam picked up on the, the prequel to this one, as uh, his recommendation, kind of shows how closely these genres are linked. My other recommendation, and I've talked to two this week, is from about six years after, uh, after Evil Dead, and that is the 1987 film Hellraiser. I was trying to dance around this name earlier when I was talking about people playing with things they don't understand. Um, and Hellraiser is the is the king of that genre. There there are these these magical puzzle boxes that once you open unleashes hell upon you. There is no stopping it. There is no getting away from it. They will come for you and they will kill you. And it is about a family, a detective family dealing with the the uh, arrival of these cenobites. It is gory. It is brutal. It is bloody, but it has that same kind of feel of you are touching powers beyond human understanding, and there are rules you just don't know them, and you are going to die. So, if you haven't seen it, the later sequels not quite as good, I would say. Some good bits in there, but Hellraiser One is is your uh, is your go to classic eighty seven. Good. So, as this is Halloween and because I've been off for a week. We are doing something a little bit different this week, can't we, Sam? Uh,
1: yes. I'm not quite sure.
0: We are going to be releasing, later today, the next episode.
1: Yes. Right. Now I know what you're talking about, and I'm, I'm not worried. Yeah.
0: Uh. Sounds important. Because I've been busy with having a baby, we're a little behind. Um, but I thought, given the nature of Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, and those of you who've seen both will know what I'm talking about, that uh, releasing both on the same day would kind of work. So, once you finish this one, a few hours' time, we will have Evil Dead 2 for you as the next in the franchise from Evil Dead.
1: Good. If you want to get in touch, you can find both of us on Twitter, at Prestige Podcast.
0: You can find just me, at Rob Kaiju.
1: Oh, you haven't... You've just changed your name for this month. You haven't changed it. Yes, yeah. No, no, no. Handle says his name. And you find me, at Life underscore Academic. And we will see you... Later today for the Evil Bird 2. See them!
0: The Prestige is a Kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at
1: facebook.com forward slash Kaiju Industries.